Our play begins as many do. <clears throat> Our play begins on October 31st, 1945, inside the immodest mansion of Shirley and Franklin Yates. A juggernaut of thunder had just begun its reign of terror over the party. Nevertheless, the partygoers were merry in their festive costumes, drinks in hand, intoxicated by the conversation and the liquor alike. Thank you so much for joining us for this gathering. It is an honor to welcome you all into our home. Tonight is a celebration of my dearest husband Franklin and his newly announced campaign for public office. Franklin feigned bashfulness a feeling it was unlikely he had ever authentically felt. A man like him in charge will bring our nation back to greatness. Dinner will be served at seven. Until then, drink to your heart's content. Well, isn't that frightening? We couldn't have planned it better if we tried. How noble of you, but I don't need you coming to my rescue. Oh, darling, the pills and alcohol have gotten the best of you early. You were a wreck up there. I couldn't let you embarrass our good name like that. Shirley and Franklin kiss and head off in separate directions, but their odd behavior did not go unnoticed. A number of guests began to chatter and were met with the sharp gaze of Shirley as she finished her glass of champagne in one swift motion. Oh, Shirley, wonderful Clarence Rogue, is that you? I haven't seen you since my wife's funeral. So sorry. Oh, no, no need. Have you met my fiance, Thelma? Pleasure to meet you, Shirley. Let me tell you, your house is divine. Truly spectacular. I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that money may be able to buy you nice things, but you simply just cannot buy tastes like yours. My fiance here is a symbol of that. Thank you so much for welcoming me into your home. Thank you dearly. I'm happy to have people here to see it. And, oh, come over here, Louise. Louise is my, she's my, she's my late husband's sister. May he rest in peace. And this is her new beau, Bernard. Bernard was a sheepish fellow in his mid-thirties. His looks gave him away with his glasses and his tie a bit ruffled. He was clearly someone who spent a lot of time inside his own head. Shirley gave him a cordial smile and extended her hand, but was cut off by the eager Clarence who pulled her to the side. Now, Shirley, I've heard your husband is running for office this term, and you might be looking for some financial backing. Oh yes, that's true. A campaign is not an inexpensive thing to run. As you know, I just came into a bit of wealth myself, and, well, I'm, I'm nothing if not generous to friends, so I, I'm more than happy to help back his campaign generously if, well, if you're willing to do something for me in exchange. Across the foyer, over a whiskey, Franklin is enjoying the company of Arthur Taylor, which is a very American way to say he was enduring his unprompted monologue, the content of which was a bit of an obsession of Arthur's. Virginia Woolf? Now she's a real crone. Between the acts was reductive at best. She only has an audience because men are entertained by the idea of a woman thinking she can do as much as a man. 
Imagine. Agatha Christie never came up with an original twist in all her days, and she's really the only name that woman can claim as a great. Oh, don't even get me started on the Brontes. I carefully curate each of my mysteries with the devoted care of a man making love to his wife, and they think I'm not as good as Agatha Christie? Believing such a crock Arthur, of- you know it's just a matter of time until people realize the genius that's contained within the pages of your novel. What was your last called? Assassination on the Byzantinian Limited? It kept me on my feet until the very end. You never would have guessed that everyone on the train... Oh, is that your wife, Florence? Oh, my stars, if it isn't the master of the house. Always such an elegant host. I'm sure you're enraptured in my husband's literary musings. I wouldn't want to deny you the pleasure. Uh, no. No, I mean... <clears throat> Tell me, Florence. How did a guy like Arthur convince a girl like you to marry him? Oh, it's a funny story, really. You see, I am quite familiar with his brother. I believe you two are well acquainted, having both been serving in Congress this term. And he was kind enough to introduce us. The rest is history. I cannot believe it has been five whole years In the middle since. of Florence's story, the maid walked by. Franklin, licking his lips in delight, dropped his glass, shattering it on the marble floor. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to drop that. I just wasn't thinking. Oh, it's no inconvenience, sir. Please, let me clean it up. The maid got on all fours to clean up the broken glass, collecting it in her apron. Franklin readjusted his position, stepping back to get a glimpse oh, of her skirt. What a lovely time we had on our honeymoon. Perhaps too lovely. <laughs> the view in Nova Scotia was nearly... As good a view as Mr. Yates is getting right now. Franklin, without a wink of shame, turned to smile at Florence, and in doing so caught a glimpse at the butler standing next to him, tall and stoic with a dustpan and broom. Oh, butler. I didn't see you there. For such a large man, you do have a way of sneaking around. People in my profession are meant to be seen and not heard, Master Yates. If you will excuse me, I came to provide help to the maid. It seems Thelma brought a little extra help for Clarence, too. Florence pointed Franklin's attention to Thelma, emptying a small vial of something into the unsuspecting glass of her fiancé Clarence. The trick was quick. With a sleight of hand so practiced, you might think you were witnessing an illusion act. <laughs> Oh, it seems we are in for quite the treat of an evening tonight. Thank you kindly for hosting us, my dearest Franklin. Your generosity is massively appreciated. Franklin, have you read Agatha Christie? I'm telling you, what a woman like that needs is a good man. Look at the excellent job you've done with your wife. She was quite the firecracker, wasn't she? 
Sometimes all they need is a little love and the safety of a man to really ease into their domesticity. I can assure you Christy never got the likes of that. Across the I hall, my, Louise endured similar musings with her date Bernard. The other day, I found a rare copy of some of Agatha Christie's most famous works. I suspect it may be a first edition, but I can take a bit of time to correctly date these things. The date inside isn't always reliable, you know. Oh, but the leather, the binding. I know why I went into exotic book dealings when I hold something like that in my hands. It's like a newborn calf, too fragile to walk the world on its own. Oh, have you read Murder on the Orient Express? Yes, yes, Bernard, I have. Kept me on my feet until the very end. You wouldn't have guessed that everyone on the train... Oh, look, Thelma is here. Did you happen to find out what time dinner was, dear? Louise gravitated towards her, her hand falling tenderly on the other girl's shoulder, her face stained with an expression you would be hard-pressed to call anything but love-struck. To the outsider looking in, there may be no motivation for a second glance, but for that expression. Oh, oh no, I was... I got caught up in things. I'm sure you were in the middle of a fascinating conversation. I hate to interrupt. Oh no, it's no interruption. Right, Bernard? None at all. Dinner is to be served properly in the dining room. Please make your way there at your soonest convenience. What the partygoers did not notice was Clarence Rhodes taking a seat on the stairs where the butler just stood. If this were a nicer story, a more fortunate one, someone may have taken note of the large man losing his breath, his face developing a vibrant hue. They may have rushed to his rescue. But this night is full of misfortune. So Clarence sat down on the stairs, struggling to keep himself alive, trying to understand what his body was communicating when... Candles? Yes, right away. 